You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. God, man, God's good. Yes. It's good to be here. Yes. And uh, it's good to be alive. Yes. And to share some things with you guys uh, concerning more concerning finances. You know, I I just share what the Lord uh, has me do. And I've since we've been here, I've shared about finances uh, or around about or testimonies several times. And I don't only talk about money. As a matter of fact, in Perryville, I went probably three or four years and never taught on finances. And the Lord gave me a, a pastoral spanking and said, you can't do that. And, uh, and the reason why is because money is a very important subject when it comes to our faith. And in Luke chapter 16, I want to show you something. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6. But I want to read something here in Luke chapter 16. And this really um, unlocks kind of a reality about, about finances. And, um, and this is Luke chapter 16. And in verse 10, and I don't have time to go in and teach this whole parable. I'll do that at, an, at another time, I'm sure. But for, I better just read a couple <laughs> verses so we don't go in and deeper in an area that I, that I don't want to go into at the moment. But in verse 10, it says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Keep in mind, this is talking about, this is talking about stewarding, and it's talking about finances. And it says, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, or just in natural money, I, this is how I would phrase it, but unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches, question mark? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? So here's some things I want to say about this very quickly. The money that you have does not belong to you. Come on. We will say like, uh, you know, I will give you $20 and or, you know, I have a, a bill to pay or I make money and there's nothing wrong. I don't want to split hairs. There's nothing wrong with saying that stuff. But understand this, all the money that comes to us, it all belongs to God. Whether you realize it or not, that absolutely is the truth. Our job with finances is to learn how to steward those finances properly. And to the measure that we steward things properly, and this can go beyond finances, but in context, this is talking about money. As we will steward money properly, we will be given more responsibility with other things. As a matter of fact, it says that that if you, um, and I lost my place, but it says if you can't be trusted with the unrighteous mammon or you're not found faithful in the unrighteous mammon, let me go back to it so I say it exactly right. Where'd it go? Oh, here it is. It says, it says, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, there it is, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Money is not true riches. Money is not the most important thing. Money, I believe, is the least important thing. And the reason why I say that is he says, he who is faithful in what is least will be made ruler over more, will be made faithful over more. So money is the least area of trusting the Lord. So sometimes we're wanting to believe God for things, and we should believe God. We should stretch our faith out there and believe God for big things because he is a big God. Everybody say he's a big God. Yes. 
He's a big God. Hallelujah. But the money that you have in your pocket, in your bank account, in your life, the assets you have, it is, everybody understand this, it is a test. It's given to you to test you. God doesn't test you with evil things. He also doesn't test you with sickness. You know, sometimes people be like, oh, you know, I had this sickness and God was just testing me. God's not testing you with that stuff. Uh, That stuff comes at you and, and life will throw that stuff at you. The devil might throw that stuff at you. God doesn't do that. But what is placed in your hands for you to steward, God is testing to see how you will handle that. Because a lot of times people are like, God, I want this ministry. I want to reach the lost and I want to blah, 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 blah. Oh, you fill in all the blanks. But then when it comes to just finances, some of those people wouldn't actually be considered good stewards over the finances that actually belong to the Lord's and not them. And they treat it like they are the owner of it versus God being the owner of it. See, this is a paradigm shift that has to happen in our thinking. I know it has had to happen for me to where I go, okay, Lord, all this money that's coming in. And listen, God wants you to be taken care of. Some of that money that is his actually belongs to you in the sense that he wants you to have your needs taken care of, and he even wants to bless you. He loves his kids. He loves to bless his kids. But everything that comes in, our mentality should be, Lord, this is all yours. You tell me what to do with it. And part of how you steward something, it's not necessarily that you you get a dollar or $10 or $100 or $1,000 and go, okay, oh, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? But you actually develop systems and things to where we have what we call a funnel. And every dollar, basically, that comes into our hands, it gets funneled and automatically put into different places. And if the Lord wants to change things or move things around, we certainly are listening to what he wants us to do with it. But it's his money. And so we automatically have systems set up to to steward the money because a, a wise steward will know what to do with something before he gets it. That's right. It's it's about, you know, preparation and, and Proverbs it talks about the plans of the diligent will surely lead to plenty. And so we That's have right. to have plans to be diligent with and when we have those plans and then we work those plans then it will lead to plenty because that's that's you simply just taking what you have and stewarding it so that you can be found faithful in the things that you have so then you can be made the ruler over that's right yeah that's right yeah amen and i believe you'll be you'll have more finances that you can be made ruler over. But also this is talking about, I really believe it's it's probably measure of ministry. I would call it that because it says that you'll be, um, well, I lost my place again. If I would just hold my place there because I, I can't quote that. I can quote some verses, but I can't quote this one. But it says that you'll be um, given the true, the true riches. And so if you're not faithful um, and the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And so it's saying that money is not the true riches. You know what the true riches of heaven are? It's people. It's people. And we want to have a greater impact in people's lives. The way you start by showing uh, your faithfulness towards the Lord, I really truly believe is in money. And I was sitting in a service one time, and I was listening to God talk about this, and he said, money is the least area of trusting the Lord. And if you can't trust the Lord in money, you're not going to be able to trust the Lord in other things. And it was like a punch in, in my gut because I was like, oh, I believe it for miracles, and I'm believing, you know, for all this stuff. But when it came to the money, I couldn't trust the Lord with it. I was still trusting in me. I was trusting in Kent. I was trusting in my ability, and I hadn't released that to the Lord, and it was actually stifling me spiritually and stifling me in ministry because I couldn't trust the Lord with that. 
This is a least area of trust in the Lord. And it's not to be in any kind of condemnation, but it's an eye-opening thing of God. I got to start here. I got to start with the finances because this is a test to see if I'm ready to go to the next level. Amen? Everybody can receive that, say no condemnation, and it's no problem. Hallelujah. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 6, which now I lost my place in Matthew chapter 6. We're in Matthew chapter 6. Right. Right here. There we go. Matthew chapter 6 and verse uh, 24. And what we're going to do tonight is we're going to, uh, so I didn't read all this. So I'm going to read this, and I will not preach going through it. I will the first two verses for just a moment, and I'm going to read the rest of it. And then, then we're, we've got uh, um, some slides that we're going to show you some things that are really, really going to stretch you tonight. Is everybody ready to be stretched? Yes. Hallelujah. Um, so good, because we're going to stretch you. It's going to be really, really good. So Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Those are Jesus' words. You cannot do both. You cannot have uh, two gods. You can only have one. You can only serve one. You can only be a slave to one, either God or mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life for what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Rhetorical question, but the answer nonetheless is, of course, life is more than about those things. And of course, God will take care of us. But notice it says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry. It's saying, therefore, on the tail end of you can't trust God and mammon, you have to learn to trust one. And then it says, therefore, don't worry. He's given a key here to not trusting in mammon, but trusting in the Lord. Number one key to not trusting in mammon, which is ultimately just trusting in yourself. It's trusting in money and what money can do for you. The key here is don't don't get into worry and concern about things to where you take it upon yourself to try to produce. But you realize that the production or the provision comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from you and it doesn't come from money. Yeah, come on. And people that don't understand this is where they get into the love of money. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And when people make money a God, eventually they will fall in love with it. But money is nothing more than a tool. It's nothing more than a tool that God's given us. But we need to learn how to to handle that money properly uh, in order to be given more. Hallelujah. So let me continue reading here. It says, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value, of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Oh, I do remember reading this now. Because I rem- in Perryville, and I didn't say it here, but I remember when I read it here, I thought I should say that, but I didn't. I kept reading. Yeah. But in Perryville, I said, if worrying would add one cubit to your stature, Liz would be a lot taller. <laughs> So are you saying I'm short? Okay, verse 28. <laughs> yes, moving, yes, you moving are. On, moving All right, verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is, thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, and what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? So he's just talking about natural things of life. Don't worry about that stuff. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, or you could say that the non-believers, the non-covenant people, 
For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So hallelujah. This is an awesome passage of scripture. But the whole context of what this is talking about at the very beginning, it's talking about you can either be a slave to mammon or you can be a slave to God is where we're supposed to take our money and cause the money or his money and cause that money to be redeemed. Amen. So we're going to give a list here, and this is where Liz is going to be able to jump in and give a lot of input. We're going to give a, li a list here, and if we could pull up slide number one, and we're going to talk about, we're going to give 10 different, we can call it signs or, um, or symptoms of someone living underneath of the spirit of mammon. And we're going to go through these, and these are really going to help you. So the question is, uh, are you a slum? And a slum, and see, if you're slumming, then you're living at a lower level. You ever, you ever heard that term before, like I'm slumming or whatever? Well, it really just means you're living at a lower level. So are you a slum? I mean, being a slum would be worse than just slumming. You're an entire slum, <laughs> which means it's someone living under mammon. Yes. Are you someone living under mammon? And listen, this is where this is going to stretch you because we're going we're gonna to throw some things out here that everybody's going to be able to relate to this on some level. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. And we're spirit walkers, aren't we? So we're not going to be condemned, but we're going to have our eyes opened up to things that we need to see to help us come out from underneath of the things that have been binding us. There is a, the enemy will work to bind people uh, with whatever way or whatever means that he can. And money is one of those areas that people get really bound up. And it's not, so, it's not the money that's the problem, but it's where their trust is concerning money. And so this is really going to identify some things. And Liz and I, we don't feel like we're in a, really an authority maybe on, on anything. Uh, but this is definitely something that we have a lot of revelation in because we got set free. Yep. Amen. It's really good. Once you, so I would just say, you know, just ask the Lord right now to reveal, and if there's any of these symptoms or signs that are in your heart, um, or that you're living underneath, so that you can identify them, so that you won't be bound anymore, and you can start making strides. And remember, there isn't any condemnation. You don't know what you don't know right. until you know it. That's right. And so our heart is to reveal things to you, so that you know longer have to be bound and you have to be um underneath this influence of mammon yeah amen and and i you know my heart obviously for you all is that you live victorious lives amen. that you understand that you are seated in heavenly places with christ jesus and that we are called and that he came so that you can have abundant life and that we should be living in that place yeah amen so, Amen. So praise Hallelujah. God. So we're going to jump right into that or right into this with number one. So here is symptom or sign number one is that you worry over money, which we already kind of covered this a little bit. Right. But this is to me is the, the sure tail sign that you are, um, you know, and here, let me say this quickly. Let me say this quickly about uh, demonic spirits or the enemy. And I, one of the things that I've decided in this past year that I'm going to work to do is to demystify talking about demonic spirits. Because there's a lot of, people get into a lot of weird stuff. And I think it's just because there's just a lot of ignorance concerning mm -hmm. uh, demonization. 
And that's actually a more proper uh, term because a lot of times people, when they talk about demons, they'll just say possession. And so it's like, well, either you're possessed or you're totally free and clear from any kind of demonic influence. And, you know, really the Greek word, when you go back and look at the Greek word, whenever Jesus would talk about how somebody was like, say, possessed with the demon, it actually just means they were demonized. So someone can be at the point to where they actually have a demon inhabiting them, and they need to have that demon expelled. There's a reason why that kind of ministry is in the Bible, and there's a reason why it's still needed today. There are people that have demons in them that need to be cast out. But there are other measures and ways that demons influence people or demonic spirits influence people to keep them bound. Because the enemy always works to steal, to kill, and to destroy in any way that he can. And Paul said this, and I'm, I'm sure I quoted this last week, but when you minister enough places, you forget sometimes where you, where you say things. So thank you for your mercy. But he said this, and it bears repeating. He said, in the last days, um, perilous times will come. People will depart from the faith. And I might be mixing two things that Paul said. But he did say people will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Doctrine means line upon line teaching. It said doctrines of demons. Whenever we think of line upon line teaching, we think of Jesus, the Lord, the Holy Ghost, revealing things to us, giving building blocks in our heart and mind to help us understand this, his truths and concepts and all of that. All of that's true. But the same way that the, that the Lord works to teach us things, the enemy also works to teach us things. He tries to build systems in people's minds. See, he's, he's not that smart, but he's really good at the area that he's, that he's been doing for a long time. And he doesn't have unlimited resources. Right. As far as I'm concerned and as far as what I understand from the word, the enemy does not have unlimited resources. Yeah. So what he has learned to do is come in and, and vex a person or a family or a church or any people or person with a mindset and teach them certain things because their mind is off. It's not in the word. And they, they, they give heed to these thoughts and these ideas. They get into weird material. They do all kinds of things. And what happens is they actually get trained or taught by the enemy to believe certain things. Sometimes it can be intentional. Usually it's very unintentional. And before you know it, they have entire thought processes that they live by that have nothing to do with truths from the word, but it's been put there, placed there by a deceiving spirit that deceived them into a, a doctrine, line upon line, precept upon precept, way of thinking that never came from God. That's a, if you're going to get your head around that, which is pretty easy, and you're smart, so it's easy, um, that's a powerful revelation right there. Because it's not about the enemy coming in and just like overtaking and overrunning your life. Because if you only think of him coming in and, you know, possessing you and you're, well, I'm not flopping on the floor and foaming at the mouth, so I think I'm okay. No, he comes in to destroy people and lives any way that he possibly can. And we have a, the, the, the mind, we've heard this before, the mind is the battleground. Yeah. And so we have to shut off these ways of thinking and these attacks and these different things that come from the enemy. And worry, number one, worry is one of the things that the enemy will come is to, to have us worry over money. And if we understand, it says, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What are these things? What are the things? It's the natural things. Yeah. Context is king. He's talking about natural things, what you wear, the car you drive, the house you live in. 
making money, having a job, doing those things, the natural things in life, he's going to take care of all that stuff if you'll just put him first. All the other things will be added unto you. And then the next verse, he says, therefore, do not worry. Why would you therefore not worry? Because God's taking care of everything. So if you find yourself in a in a mindset or a framework of worrying, something has captured your mind besides the Lord. That's right. That's right. And this is then, you know, that word worry there means to be divided. And so a house divided, it can't stand. And so the enemy would want you to be divided. So a good question to ask yourself or just a good way to reflect is to say, um, what is my first response when something comes, like a bill comes or um, something bigger that I can't personally handle? Is my first response all of a sudden, how am I going to be able to do this? And is this going to happen? And will I have enough? And how will I do this? Like that's worry. And so then you can recognize from that place that you have been trained by just probably life and circumstances and different things, which is just the world system um, that is not God's system. And that's that's why he says that you will be transformed when, when you renew your mind. And so this is where you go to battle and you take every thought captive and then you make it be obedient to the word of God. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything will be added. And he says, he values me more than the birds of the air and the birds of the air are taken care of. Therefore, I am going to be taken care of because I am his child. You know, if he did it and we can see testimony after testimony in the Bible where he provided over and over and over again for people, he's no respecter of persons. What he did for them, he will do for you. And so that's in how you go and you start combating and fighting. And so I would just say, are, you know, make sure worry isn't your first response and make the word and what God says your first response. Come on. That's awesome. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So that's number one. Let's move on to number two. (laughs) Number two is, um, I can't afford it. And this is one, uh, that I, we, anyways, we're laughing because we have stories, but, um, you know, sometimes, and probably most people don't deal with this, but some people do deal with it. And probably at a time in your life, you may have dealt with it to where you had you had a bill or you had something to purchase or you were going to go somewhere that, you know, was going to cost you something. And immediately your mindset, your default yeah. is I can't afford to do that. Even if you can't afford to do it, it just becomes a way that you're thinking where all of a sudden you're like, I can't afford that. I can't afford that. I can't afford that. I can't afford that. You know, it's just, it's a mindset. It's just, it becomes a response and that see, we have. There's a balance to this yeah. because we need to, again, we need to be good stewards of our money and we shouldn't be wasteful with our finances. We should learn how to be uh, good stewards of things, but to automatically have a mindset or have just the, the, again, the default to where we go, oh, I can't, I can't afford that. We were talking with somebody recently and because of the gas prices being higher and stuff, look, here's my deal. is like, if the gas prices are $30 a gallon, God's going to take care of me. Amen. I mean, I'm not in favor of that, by the right. way, but <laughs> God's going to take care of us. Is that not one of the things that all these things, you betcha, he's going to take care of That's us. That's right. It's a need that we have. And so when we go and we haven't defined our actual need, and I hope that, you know, we'll get later on down the road, like just 
showing you our simple system of how to manage money and how to uh, make money work for you, how that you can use money as the tool that it was always intended to be used as, that you won't say, I can't afford it, or it won't be because you don't know that you can't afford it. It'll be like, well, I can afford this, and if that's something that I want later down the road or it's a desire that I have, then I'm going to be able to work so that I can afford it. I'm right. going to figure out how that I can make this happen. And so it's just having a, a plan and then working that plan. And, you know, like I said, the plans of the diligent will surely lead to plenty. If you don't have a plan, then you're never going to know if you can afford it. Yeah, amen. And so we had this this person that we were communicating with, and they they had said, um, you know, well, I I, I don't want to put gas in my car because it's I just can't afford that. It's just going to cost too much money. I'm like, oh, you're you're going to be stranded if you don't put gas in your money. Barring a miracle, you're going to be walking unless you do it. But it's just kind of this thing, like when something's expensive or we don't want to pay for it or just see whatever. It's just like, well, I can't afford that. That is a that's a wrong mentality. I see, and I've seen some eyebrows going up, going, huh? I think maybe I've done that, but the rest of you. I've never done that, I guess, so and I don't know. It, <laughs> I'm a, just kidding. And especially if it is like something that God's already provided or said that he will provide for, then the question shouldn't be, or the, the stance shouldn't be, I can't afford it. The The stance should be, how can this become possible? Yeah. Like I, especially when we are doing what it is that God has asked us to do and we are being good stewards and there still is some lack there, then this is where we get to extend our faith and Come walk on. with God right. and see him make the provision, which then builds our testimony with him, which then builds our trust with him, with which then helps us to continue going forward and yeah. seeing little things and then bigger things and bigger things. So it's so fun. It's part of our journey with God. Yeah. To say and to, to automatically say, I can't afford something is to say, that God can't take care of it. That's right. I mean, it's just to automatically assume that it's not going to happen for you, whether it's a need or a want, and that's no attitude to have for people that are seated next to him. Come on. In heavenly, in heavenly places, far above all powers and rulers and the darkness of this age and all that stuff. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. So number three, stinginess. Stinginess is an unwillingness to release what's in your hand. And when I was growing up, the only thing I did wrong ever growing up was that I was stingy when I was a, when I was a kid. Right, Katie? is the only bad thing I ever did. And so besides <laughs> having my younger brother touch a hot, hot light bulb. But um, anyways, yeah, no. It was, and I pushed my dog down the stairs one time too. Oh, but my gosh. Anyways, I just confessing all my sins right now so you guys can forgive me. <laughs> I, I felt like some of you felt like I was perfect as a child, and I just <laughs> wanted to let the cat out of the bag that I, I wasn't. So um, anyways, but I was, when I was younger, my point with all this is that I was actually very stingy, and I was very unwilling um, to let loose of things. Now go to the next one. Number four is um, greed or greediness. And so stinginess is unwilling um, to, you know, to release money, to let go of money, to give, or, you know, things like that. But greed is wanting more of what you already have. Yeah. So someone could be stingy without necessarily being greedy. They could get to the point to where they've got, you know, this amount of money or whatever, and all they do, all they care about is just hanging on to it. But 
um, you could have a greedy person that just wants more of what they have just to get all they can, can all they get, and sit on the can, as the saying goes. So if you're dealing with any kind of stinginess or greediness, and it's really, really simple to know if you're, if you're stingy. If you're unwilling to give, even unwilling. Now, there could be a time where you're like, man, I just don't feel like I have the money to give into that. I've been there before. That doesn't mean you're stingy. But if you're not even willing it's, it's to a, help and to give and, and to help in a situation, then that would be a stingy, a stingy heart or a stingy right. action. And it's a posture, too, because when you're stingy, it doesn't it's not just about money. It's about everything. Yeah. It's about everything that you have that you are unwilling to say just with the open hand and say, OK, Lord, it's yours. Whatever it is that I have, if you want me to give it to somebody or do something with it, then it is yours to command. Yeah. And that's when you know that you have gotten rid of that stinginess because you know that if your hand is open, then God always will get money or get things to you because he knows he can get things through you. Therefore, your hand will never be empty, yeah. which I love. And that's, that's right. you know, the plan of the enemy is that you have to grasp something and we can only hold on to so much. But, you know, when we're journeying with the Lord and our hand is completely open to him, then they're, they're like there. You can hold a lot more with an open hand than you can ever with a closed hand. That's very good. So that's really good. You've never said that before. Well, it just came to me. That's really awesome. Praise <laughs> the Lord. That's good. I mean, yeah. I had never heard you say that before, but no. And so, God. I mean, it's just what, and here's, you know, just another thing. If you can't, if you can't hold your hand open to, then you're trusting in yourself. You're trusting in your yeah. ability. And I can, one time, I know the Lord, when we were just journeying into going into full-time ministry, um, it was, it was, you know, it's a little, it's trusting the Lord. It is, it was a little bit of a, cause you worked and, uh, we, we did, uh, what do you call it? Bivocational. And so it was just hard. And we knew the Lord was saying like, you were to do this full time. And I, I personally, I was having a hard time cause I was like, well, uh, you know, I, cause I was in worry. And, um, I, the Lord said, my hand is way bigger than your hand could ever be. The way I like you're you're ca you can ca get capped at a certain point in yourself, but the Lord has no cap to him. Like yeah. there's he created everything. Yeah. <laughs> and so there is no lack in him and I was like, okay, you're right. So sometimes, you know, you know, the enemy, he always wants to speak lies to you and he'll try to always come at you in places where you've had weaknesses before, where he's seen like you've had a road in your, in your, uh, a thought pattern in your head. And you have, even if you haven't journeyed down it a long time, he'll like try to come in and be like, oh, should you go down that path again? And he'll be like, you know, say whatever it is to try to get you in that worry and in that doubt. And you, I'm like, no. No, God is my provider, and I have seen him provide so many times, so this is not a problem. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. Yeah. Praise God. All right. Okay. Number five, and we have uh, 10 of these, by the way, all right? So we're doing, we're doing good. Uh, number five, uh, money mismanagement. This is getting in somebody's business right here, so I'm going to let you take this one. No, uh, so if you are a poor manager of money... God 
And if God is really your source and he is really the master over you and your money, you will manage your money properly and your money will not manage you. That's right. You will manage it properly because God is a God of order. He's a God of more than enough. He's a God that, um, that you know, he doesn't store things up in a greedy way, but he does store things up and have things organized in a, in a right and in a good way. Amen? Amen. And so we're supposed to be able to manage money properly. And we went for a lot of years and we're still getting better at this. We haven't yes. definitely have not um, you perfected the art of money management, but we went for years in our, man, in our marriage where we didn't have a clue what was going on. I mean, she had more of a clue than I did, but because of the fear and things, because she, she did the books, she cooked the books or whatever, not really, but she did the books. I don't even know why I said that. Yeah, I wish she would have done a better job. Would have had more money. But anyways, um, how can you cook your own books? That's impossible. But uh, uh, anyways, so that's really bad for a pastor to say that. <laughs> we don't cook any books, okay? Uh, praise the Lord. But you know, for our own personal finances, we just we really really struggled with this. And I and she, I basically just let her just do it. And I was like, you know, I kind of kept myself. Um, aloof of what was going on, and it was easier for me to be in faith because I didn't know how much money that we didn't have. I didn't really know how big of a hole that we were in, and she knew but was really kind of unwilling to really take care of it and manage it. We had no plan. Therefore, our plan was to fail, and we were failing miserably because what happens is that when you just kind of have a general idea, like here's an example, you should know how much money comes in, and you should know how much money is going out. And if your, and I said this, let me see if I can say this again. If your outgo exceeds your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. Wow. If that your was... outgo exceeds your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. If you keep finding yourself in credit card debt year after year after year, and it increases, or you might get it paid off, and then the next thing you know, you've got it all over again, there is a reason why, and it's very kindly and gently I'm saying you're mismanaging money. You need to figure out how to live on less, manage yeah. your money better. And you go, what? I was trusting God, and I thought I would have more. Well, you know, there is some common sense and some wisdom that goes a long way in this thing. That's right. Amen. You want to know how to prosper? Spend less than you make, give, do it for a bunch of years, and you'll prosper. Hallelujah. Amen. So good thing. I, I always go back to ask yourself questions because then you'll get an answer, and then you have to start allowing the Lord to speak to those things. So do you have a plan? Do you have order? And do you have systems? And if the answer is no, then you are mismanaging money. Period. And I yep. mean, I can, I can hey, this say was that us. This because was us. I, I have, and here's the, the next step. Are you working your plan? Because then that takes diligence also. And so, you know, I, I had a plan and I had somewhat of an order, but I wasn't being faithful to manage that because of the fear and the anxiety and the yeah. worry. Yeah. So. yeah, and we're going to get into talking about fear next week more. That yeah. will really, really help you. But praise God. So we have to manage our money properly. Go to number six. Here we are at number six, which is uh, if you're in. So, that, again, these are these are signs or symptoms of being underneath of manage, uh, being underneath of mammon. And if you have consistent financial lack, we kind of talked about this a little bit. But if you're constantly in financial lack, there is no reason for God's kids to be in constant financial lack. That's right. 
And sometimes, and I mean this in the kindest way, but sometimes, you know, sometimes Christians can really, really get just not smart about things and just kind of be like, well, I'm just me and Jesus. We're just, we're just trust. I'm just trusting Jesus. And I love the, I love the heart. We need to trust Jesus. We need to trust him. But we should not be the ones who have less money than the rest of the world. We should have more money. And I'm speaking to all of us. Yeah. We should have oodles of money. We should have all of the wisdom. We should have all of the understanding. We should have the best business ideas. We should have all of the greatest inventions. We should have um, businesses and different things where we have tons of tons of money, more money coming in than because we do know what to do with it. I was going to say that we know what to do with it, but because we know what to do with it. But unfortunately, sometimes... And, and I, I was this person, and we're still growing in this. But for a lot of years, I was that person. It's like, I'm just trusting Jesus, man. I'm just believing God. But I was constantly in financial lack. God, God never wanted us to be in financial lack. That's never. Right. That was never his desire for us. So it's not about what you don't have. It's about taking what you do have and being intentional with it. And when you do that and you get in faith, God will see to it that that grows. He will see to it that it grows because you'll be able to steward it better. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So number seven uh, is impulse buying. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, this is... I didn't say anything about this. I, I'll let I you know. Go. I, I would say that I had to struggle. And so this is actually where, if you're not careful, or you can see some entitlement coming in. Because especially if you're working and you're making money and you're doing the grind, like a lot of times if we're not careful, we can be like, well, I deserve this. Yeah. And well, you know, I worked really hard, so I should be able to have that. And well, they have this and they don't work as hard as me, so why can't I have it? Yeah. And so we have to be so careful because that is actually the spirit of entitlement yeah. that is actually running rampant oh in gosh. our country. Where And then sometimes, you know, we can look at other people and we can see what they have, which is covetousness. Let me just tell you that. And want it for ourselves. But we won't actually stop. And wisdom would say, what did you do? to get to where you're at because right. you're in fear, you're in worry. You don't, you know, you can't take those questions and say, I see where you are and I want to go there. So why don't you impart some wisdom to me? But instead you're just looking at the fruit that they're living from instead of asking them how they got there. Yeah. And so we, th so impulse buying, you know, is that you haven't had defined what you can and what you can't afford. And so you just go and you buy something and then it's that purchase that you make and you have like some remorse you're like oh I shouldn't have bought that and now um I can't do this because I bought this and maybe I should take it back or maybe it's too late now and so you know God's grace is so sufficient and he is so merciful that he can close that gap for us but we just have to recognize and take this away from us and out of our mind like am I can I afford this? Is this in my plan? Am I working my plan? And then here's the beautiful thing. If it is something that you desire and you are just journeying with the Lord, God, he's so good. He can get it to you. He can get the money to you. He can get the job to you so that you can do that thing that is. And it comes without any remorse. It yeah. comes with such 
I don't know. It, it's good, like a good feeling. I'm like just thinking of the verse that says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, rich and, and adds no, no sorrow, sorrow to, to it. it. Yes, yeah. yes, that's perfect. Yeah. There isn't any sorrow that's in right. anything that you do. That's right. Hallelujah. Yeah, amen. When it comes to the blessing of the Lord, that's what you want. You don't want the blessing of you. That's right. <laughs> you know, I used to, um, I don't think I really believe this at like a, a um, you know, doctrinal level or something, but it just basically... To me, prosperity looks like good job, nice car, nice house. I've met some of the most prosperous people that have little material things. Prosperity is not about the things that you have. It's about what you do with the money that comes into you. When I'm talking about financial prosperity, it's about what you do with what comes to you. That's right. That's what, that's what real true prosperity is. It's not, it's not even about how much money you have. Yeah. It's not about the dollar amount. It's not about how much money you make. It's about what you do with what comes to you right. is the difference. One of the most prosperous men I've ever uh, met, he doesn't make a fortune, but he lives, and I'm not against the big houses. We have, actually, we have a really pretty good-sized house we live in, and we're thankful for it. But this guy, um, and the Lord provided it for us, so we, we, don't, we don't have any regrets about it. But this guy lives in a 900-square-foot home and gives away, well, I heard 90% of his money, but then I heard someone later say, no, that that was stretched. It was probably more like 70%. But praise God, he gives away like 70% of his money. And, <laughs> and he doesn't live in a mansion. He lives in a 900-square-foot home. That's small. But he's like, I don't need any more. And he, and he buys used cars, and he's real thrifty and all this stuff. He actually probably is a little bit too, you know this guy. You know what I'm talking about. He's, he's an interesting fellow. But anyways, his heart is so for the gospel that he's looking on what little he can live on so that he can give more money away. Now, you work that out between That's you right. and the Lord. Yeah. You don't need to be going and selling your stuff and living in a cardboard box so you can give a little more money away to Jesus, okay? He's not asking you to do that. But the heart behind it is like, Lord, this all belongs to you, and I thank you for the overflow and the abundance and for the fun things in life, but I'm not here to have fun stuff. I'm not here to buy a bunch of, a bunch of shiny stuff. I'm here to make a difference for the kingdom. That's right. That's what true financial prosperity looks like. Yes. And when you do that, not only will he, he make sure you have all of your needs met, he'll, he'll give you some of the shiny stuff too. Yes. I went, if, throw up your bling there. This, that's, okay. what I, that's the biggest bling <laughs> I've bought her yet. And she's like, the 20 years coming up. I'm like, well, do you want to take that vacation or you want a ring? You know, oh, uh, a bigger ring. So anyways, <laughs> hey, God's arm's not too short. <laughs> but, you know, I, I decided like when our 10-year came, I decided, you know what, I'm going to buy her a nicer ring. Because we had got this story about the ring we had before, and it was just not great. Anyways, so she had the same ring from when we got married for 10 years, and I decided, I'm going to buy it. And as soon as I decided to buy it, and I was trying to figure out how to have the money and do it and be secretive, um, you know, and I just, I, I got I got partway with it. But somebody came up and said, uh, later this person became a severe enemy of mine. But anyways, God will even use your enemies sometimes. But this person came up. And gave me a thousand dollars and said, I just felt really blessed to give you or impressed to give you a thousand dollars. And I said, I know what that's for. And so it was only about one fourth of what the ring cost. But anyways, but it, I needed that. It helped. God will see to it that you'll even get some of the shiny I things. I that didn't you want. even know that story. You never told me that. I never that. told you that. No. Yeah. So the rest of the money I was working and I was able to get some cash uh, jobs. Some cash jobs. <laughs> anyways, whatever. I took, took, took some of that money and. Socked it away. All right, praise the Lord. Moving on. So, number eight, we're about out of time. And so it wasn't an impulse buy. 
I was intentional to save money and put That's money away. Right. All right. That's right. Uh, you bond, purposed it. Bondage to uh, debt, which this can go right along with the, the previous two. But number eight is bondage to debt. And bondage to debt is a mentality. That's right. It's a mentality of I'm always going to borrow. And I'm just going to stay in that lifestyle of borrowing. And most Americans, most Americans do not think beyond I'm going to borrow. They don't think about owning. They always think about they can get that if they go to the bank or go to whatever. I can have that in my possession tomorrow because I can go sign papers. Well, when you are signing papers to put yourself into debt, you are betting that the next five years or 10 years or 15 or 30 years, depending on what uh, type of debt you're undertaking, you are betting that you're going to make enough money to pay that and to pay the interest for borrowing that money for the debt you're incurring. With that being said, I'm not against all that. I think it's better if you can to buy a house than than to rent a house. I think you can you can build some finance, you know, build up some finances like that. We've been able to do that. I think that's a good thing. We had to leverage debt to be able to do that. I bought a truck one time. It was the best vehicle we ever bought. I paid, I think it was eleven five for it. I think is what we paid for it. And I I, I figured I made well over two hundred thousand dollars with that that truck that I didn't have the money for at the moment. That was a pretty good buy. So praise God. There's there's ways you can leverage debt. And if you need wheels. You know, this is 2022 in the United States of America. You got to have wheels. And sometimes you just got to do what you have to do. There's no problem. I'm not putting any condemnation on anybody. Um, but what I am saying is that the mentality of remaining in debt is not of God. That's right. It's not of the Lord. We should be saving money, investing money, building our wealth. And see, you build yeah. wealth. This is getting into something else I don't have time to get into. But you build wealth. Look at wealth like the ocean. And you look at... Um, riches like rivers. And so you should have multiple influxes or multiple ways that money can come to you to build up wealth. You actually should have a storehouse where you save money. You should not live at the bottom of the barrel. You should live at the top of the barrel. Mm -hmm. You should live with the barrel full. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're greedy. It means that you're wise. You should have money in a savings account, you should have money in different ways and forms that you feel comfortable investing to grow your money in. All of that stuff is wise, and it's all biblical. Mm -hmm. None of it's wrong. And sometimes people can just kind of be like, well, I don't, you know, I'm just, again, I'm just trusting Jesus, and there's no plan. And then they find themselves 10, 20, 30 years down the road, and they're financially in trouble because they didn't make a plan. And listen, if you're there or you've been there, God's a redeemer. That's right. He's a redeemer. Yes. But I would rather live... <clears throat> Not have to live miracle to miracle. That's right. But live underneath of the blessing. See, miracles are given to us to get us out of situations that we're in dire need of. And man, I thank God for yeah. miracles. Because who in here has received some miracles in your life? Yes. Finances, body, something. Praise God for that. Man, hallelujah for that. Yes. But I don't like to live from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle. You know why? Because if, if I'm doing that, I'm living from crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis. I'd just rather get wise, get smart, get in faith, and get in God's plan and flow and live under the blessing. Yes. Hallelujah. It's a better way to live. Hallelujah. All right, last two here, and then we're going to be done. Number nine is uh, discontentment. If you just find yourself uh, discontent, then it could be a sign or a symptom that you're living underneath of the Spirit. Amen. And I spent a lot of years not being content. And, you know, I think I, this is how I say it. And this might not be the best way to say it, but it's kind of how I say it. I, I'm fine with like 
like having a, a dissatisfaction with things. Like, I'd like to see an increase there. I'd like to see more. I'd like to see change in this area. But at the same time, you remain content with where you're at, and you don't become, like, like disheveled inside of your heart because you don't have that thing right now. So there's nothing wrong with, with desiring to have more as long as the more is correct and, and all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with desiring more, but it shouldn't drive you crazy if you don't have it. That's discontentment. Hallelujah. Number 10, the last one here. Number 10 is an overemphasis on money's ability. It's an overemphasis on money's ability. Have you ever been around that person that talks about money all of the time? They talk about how much money they have or how much money they need or the bills that they have or the, what the stock market is doing or what this, that, and the other. And it's just constant money all the time. Sometimes people don't necessarily talk about money, but they do think about money all of the time. And what that is, it's an overemphasis on what money can do. Money is, money is, it's amoral. Money by all by itself doesn't have any power. It's, it's where you're putting your trust that causes money to be used as a powerful tool. By thinking about money and overemphasizing it, whether you're thinking about it or speaking about it, it's creating an idol. It yeah. is the thing that you're putting at the utmost. You're glorifying it. And nobody should take the place of, you know, that position in our mind where we're thinking and speaking and meditating besides the Lord. And so then we have to go back and ask ourselves, what are my affections toward? What Amen. are my thoughts right. toward? What is in the forefront of my mind and whatever that thing is that is becoming an idol and so we we and then we just need to go back and just thank the lord in that place that he has revealed it to us and then put him in that position yeah. and when he's in that position then everything else is subject to it yeah. and so that is the thing that will happen with money is it won't have ability to speak to you to um, make you go one direction or another or be the 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 thoughts in your mind when the lord is in that place yeah. amen and amen. you'll be its master and you'll make it work for you. That's right. That's right. Amen. Man, good stuff. Good stuff. Amen. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.